Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be loneliness. Let's begin in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in the 7th verse, it says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. If we read this chapter too fast, without really reflecting on it, we can easily miss what is really being said. Paul was left all alone. Luke was the only fellow believer that he had there with him. Everyone else was either serving the Lord on missions in some other place, or they deserted Paul. Verse 16 shows us the depth of loneliness that Paul was experiencing. All men had forsaken him. It's important for us to understand the context of this chapter and of this letter. Understanding the proper context of Scripture is necessary because it not only gives us a more and deeper knowledge, it also changes the way that we apply the Scripture to our everyday lives. The book of Acts ends with Paul still in prison in Rome in about the year 63 A.D. Many historians and scholars believe that he was eventually acquitted and then later returned to Greece and Asia Minor. Then he was later arrested again, taken back to Rome, and then executed in about the year 66 or 67. Second Timothy was written while he was still awaiting execution and martyrdom. Many believe this is the last thing that Paul wrote, which is why scholars call this letter Paul's last will and testament. It's also important for us to understand what was taking place in Rome at this time. This was when Nero was persecuting the church. The great fire in Rome had occurred in AD 64. Nero was behind the crime. He burned the city himself. Although Nero was such an evil, horrible persecutor, he was also a great builder. He burned Rome so that he could have a clean slate to build a newer and greater Rome made in his image. The people of Rome were deeply suspicious 
that he was the arsonist. Needing someone else to blame for his crime, he blamed the Christians. Now Christians were a relatively new and despised group, mostly from humbler walks of life, without prestige and influence. This made their lives that much more difficult when Nero subsequently accused them of burning Rome and ordered their punishment. H.H. Haley, famous for writing Haley's Bible Handbook, said about this persecution, In and around Rome, multitudes of Christians were arrested and put to death in the most cruel ways, crucified or tied up in skins of animals, and thrown into the arena to be worried to death by dogs, for the entertainment of the people, or thrown to the wild beasts, or tied to stakes in Nero's gardens, pitch poured over their bodies, and their burning bodies used as torches to light Nero's gardens at night, while he drove around his chariot, indulging himself in the midnight revels, gloating over the dying agonies of his victims. This provides the context in which Paul was arrested, and in which this letter was written. There is something else that we must make note of also. The first arrest that we mention, which occurred at the end of the book of Acts, was done by the Jews because it had to do with a technical violation of the Jewish law. The second arrest, the one which led to his martyrdom, was done by the Romans because it was a criminal case having to do with a violation of Rome's laws which made it easier for them to indict him. This understanding of context changes our perception of 2 Timothy. Roman prisons of the first century were known for their poor conditions. They were filthy, poorly ventilated, and underground. There were only large communal cells with little light. Most prisoners were very harshly treated. This is where Paul found himself when he wrote to Timothy the second time. Verse 13 of chapter 4 said, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. The reason why this was recorded was because winter was coming, and since the prison had such bad conditions, he knew that he would need his cloak in order to stay warm. We know this to be the case, because the first part of verse 21 says, Do thy diligence to come before winter. He also had very little paper to write on. This all compounded Paul's pain in the wake of soon-facing execution. What made matters even worse was that only Luke was there with him, but he felt alone because of so many people being away from him. Mark was serving the Lord elsewhere, and Paul had already sent Tychicus to serve at Ephesus. Crescens and Titus were also serving in other places. This was causing Paul to experience the unique pain of loneliness. Not only was he feeling lonely, he was also feeling the pain of desertion. Verse 10 told us, For demons have forsaken me, having loved this present world. The NASB translates the same verse as, For demons having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone. The word for deserted in the Greek means to leave behind, to desert, to leave in straits, to leave helpless, to abandon, and to leave one in dire circumstances. This shows us that Demas left Paul when things got tough, when he really needed him. Demas was a fair-weather friend. He was right there when everything was going well, but when things got tough, he was nowhere to be found, all because he fell for the lives of the enemy, loving the world more than loving the work of God. Demas is a manifestation of Mark 4 and 19, which says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Paul planted the seed of the word of God in Demas's life, 
and it grew for a time and even seemed to be prospering, but the world choked it out. For Paul or for any minister, it's hard to watch someone that you led to the Lord come so far and then relapse into their old ways. We also find in verses 14 through 15, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he greatly withstood our words. Alexander was causing a lot of harm to Paul's mission, leading people astray and working against Paul and the God that he served. Since this was written right before Paul died, it showed that the pain inflicted on him by Alexander and through desertion stayed with him until he died. It was an intense pain that wouldn't go away. This isn't the first time that we find Alexander mentioned. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 19 through 20 say, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. This reveals to us that Alexander had been working against Paul and against the work of God for quite some time, which caused Paul a great deal of suffering, and we find that the same charge was made against Hymenaeus. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in the 15th verse, says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We find here Hymenaeus again, along with Philetus, who were distorting God's word and leading people astray. It says they overthrow the faith of some. The word in Greek for overthrow means to overturn, destroy, subvert, overthrow, corrupt. It wasn't easy for Paul, who led these men to the Lord and poured out of his heart to teach them the truth of God's word and to help them grow, to then see them twist God's word to lead people away from God and to keep them from truly knowing and experiencing God, plus the fact that they were destroying and corrupting people's faith. All of this compounded together to hurt him. He also said in 2 Timothy 1 and 15, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. No one was standing with him. No one was supporting him. Everyone was turning away from him and deserting him. Paul was not the only person in Scripture who was alone and felt loneliness and desertion. When it comes to these things, our greatest example in Scripture is Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in the 47th verse, says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staffs, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them, 
which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves, for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. We find very similar circumstances with Jesus. He was betrayed by Judas, one of his own disciples and a close friend. He even called him friend during the act of betrayal. Then he was arrested as a criminal. Verse 56 then tells us, But all the disciples forsook him and fled. All those who he had been leading and teaching, those whom he had spent so much time with and loved so much, left at the first sign of trouble. Much like when Paul was in prison, when Jesus was being arrested, it was a dangerous thing to be associated with him. A person could easily be guilty by association and sent to prison as well. It wasn't easy for Jesus, especially his human nature, to watch his disciples leave him out of fear of being seen or associated with him. It hurt him. And even though the pain was bad, it wouldn't be the last time that he would be forsaken and deserted. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, beginning in the 54th verse, it says, Then took they him and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him, as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him, and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. We see here another example of desertion. Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, who had been with him so long and saw so many amazing things that Jesus did, was so quick to disavow any knowledge and any relationship with Jesus. Peter not only fled during his arrest, but he was now at the courthouse where Jesus was to be tried. He had another chance to stand with and support Jesus, but he missed his opportunity. Since he went to the courthouse in the first place, we know that he was torn in his heart concerning his earlier desertion. It's important to note that he, unlike the others, deserted, but also followed afar off. He went to the court, knowing that he would have a chance to stand with Jesus, but he missed that chance, not once or twice, but three times. It had to be this way to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus gave of him. Jesus had been deeply hurt when all his disciples fled, and now to see Peter deny him three times more and further forsake him greatly increased his pain and loneliness. After Peter had denied him the third time, Jesus turned and looked at him, 
Peter could see in his face the hurt and the pain that he and the others had caused him, and he knew that he had just made it worse. That's why when he remembered the prophecy he left and wept bitterly, he realized what he did. At this point, Jesus was all alone. No one was there for him, but it got even worse. The crucifixion of Jesus was the pivotal point when it comes to loneliness and desertion. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, beginning in the 45th verse, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land, under the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straight away one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him the drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. In this chapter, we find Jesus completely and utterly alone, crucified for us because he alone carried the sins of the whole world on our behalf. We find here the greatest degree of loneliness the world had ever seen. Due to the sins of the world that he willingly chose to take upon himself, he faced the punishment of a perfectly righteous God. Now he was completely alone at the deepest level, and this was also the case for the three days that he subsequently spent in hell. Jesus felt the loneliness and the disconnect from God. He felt the most intense agony ever felt. This is why verse 46 says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He experienced a one-of-a-kind pain that comes from being separated from God. This is what hell really is. Beyond the fire and the brimstone, the devil and demons, and all its other attributes, hell is primarily separation from God in the deepest and the most total sense. David prophesied concerning Jesus and the separation from God that he would endure. Psalm 22 and 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Jesus knew the deepest loneliness that the world has ever known, which is why understanding what he endured gives us a better understanding of loneliness and how we can deal with it. There will be many times throughout our lives where we will be alone, times when there's no one there to back us up and times when there's no one else to lean on. Loneliness is real, and the hurt and the pain that come with it are real. When we become born again, we embarked on a different type of life. There aren't many who go the way that we're going. Matthew 7 and 14 says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There's times when there won't be anyone around to walk with us. As Christians, we have been given the solution to loneliness. It's part of our inheritance as the people of God. There are going to be Alexanders in our lives who try to do us harm and do evil to us. They'll actively work against us to try to derail the work and the blessings of God in our lives. There will be people like Demas who love being in the world and with the people of the world more than they want to be with us. And there will be people like Hymenaeus in our family, in our workplace, in our town, who will actively try to overthrow, corrupt, and destroy our faith. They'll try anything to harm our walk with God and pull us away from Him. 
These are real challenges that we will face, and these are real battles that we're going to have to fight and contend with. But through it all, we still have the solution. So when we find ourselves alone and experiencing the pain of loneliness, what's next? What do we do and how do we respond? Paul gives us the answer to this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, which say, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Even though no one was standing with Paul, and he was all alone in the natural, he was never really all alone. The Lord was always right there by his side, standing with him through it all. Since loneliness is an inevitable part of our walk of faith, we need to learn from Paul and follow his example. Even though we may be in a season of loneliness where we're all alone in the natural, we must remember that Jesus is always right there, standing with us the whole time. Then once we realize that the Lord is standing with us, we need to trust the Lord to strengthen us during that time, so that we can not only make it through that season, but also prosper in it. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Then we also need to trust the Lord to shut the lion's mouth and deliver us. When Daniel was in the lion's den, he was all alone. The only one there to help was Jesus. And when he called on the name of the Lord, he rescued and delivered him. In a similar way, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace, they too were all alone. But the entire time, there was a fourth man there with them, and that man is Jesus. When they called on the Lord, he delivered them. When we are enduring a season of loneliness, all we need to do is call on the name of the Lord, and he will strengthen us and deliver us. We must also remember that whether or not it feels like it or seems like it in the natural, Jesus is always with us, through the good times and the bad. He doesn't desert, and he doesn't flee. He will never leave us alone. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The reason why the Lord has promised to never leave or forsake us is because he knows what it's like to be forsaken and deserted. Even before Christ came to earth, desertion played a key role in Scripture. Since the beginning of history, we see desertion in the fall of the devil and his angels. And we also find it in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ran from the voice of the Lord after they sinned. The Lord experienced desertion and loneliness firsthand, even the ultimate form of loneliness when he was on the cross. It's because of this that he doesn't want us to be alone. Genesis 2.18 says, and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. It was at the cross that he became alone and took true loneliness upon himself on our behalf so that we would never have to be alone again. This is why Proverbs 18 and 24 tells us, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend. Through his sacrifice, he secured that if a man is born again, 
he will never be alone again. Paul knew Jesus was with him through it all and that he would never leave him alone. H.H. H. Haley, speaking of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, said, In that dark hour, this is one of the noblest passages of Scripture. Being executed for a crime of which he was not guilty, his friends forsaking him and leaving him to suffer alone, the cause for which he had given his life, being blotted out in the West by persecution and in the East going into apostasy, yet no hint of regret that he had given his life to the service of Christ and the church, no hint of doubt, but that the church, though now apparently being defeated, would eventually be triumphant, and no hint of doubt, but that the moment his head would be cut from his body, he would go straight to the arms of him, whom he had loved and served so devotedly. This epistle is the exultant cry of a dying conqueror, and we today, like Paul, are conquerors and more than overcomers. The next time the devil lies to you, and tries to tell you that you're all alone. And the next time that loneliness creeps its way into your heart, rebuke it and tell it that it has no place in your life. Loneliness is not of God. Then call on the name of the Lord, and he will strengthen, and he will deliver you. He is not only with you, he is within you. He will never leave you alone. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way that we will never have to be lonely again, that you are always with us, and that being alone is not something that we'll have to endure in our lives again. Lord, we know that throughout our lives there will be people who turn away, people who desert and leave us. But we know that that is not you, that you will never leave and never forsake us no matter what that you were with us always, even unto the end. And Lord, we know that there will be people who love the world and love being with the people of the world more than they love being with us. And we understand that, Lord, that's okay. But we thank you that you are not of them, that you are different, that you never leave and never forsake. And Lord, we thank you that you took that pain of loneliness and pain of desertion on our behalf and that you suffered it so that we would never have to again. Lord, we give you all the honor all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you never want to be alone again and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.